Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew brings this special Thanksgiving message entitled, Thanks Be to God. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Luke chapter 17. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, we are glad that we still live in this land of the living. Of course, we are greatly desiring to come to heaven, to be with you forever. But our work is not done. We are your servants. Therefore, you have permitted us to continue in our service to you in this world and in this city. Lord, we praise you and thank you for everything you have done to us. Lord, we read from this gospel history that Thanksgiving is a rare thing. Ten people were healed by your son, but only one came to give you thanks. We also confess this problem. Lord, we are not careful in giving you thanks. So, Lord, this morning, teach us the importance of giving thanks to God who granted us existence, who has sustained us with all good things, who has saved us with eternal salvation. We live and move and have our being in you. So help us to find great pleasure in praising you and thanking you for your salvation. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. Thanks be to God. Three things I would like to speak to you. The law of cleansing lepers, as found in Leviticus chapter 14. The miracle of cleansing lepers, as we read in this story. And the third, the sheer pleasure of giving thanks for cleansing us lepers. On the way to the mountain of the Lord for the sacrifice of Isaac, Abraham answered his son that the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. And he did. The Lord has been providing for his people since creation. He provided for the pilgrims who came to this country in the 17th century. And he has provided us also everything that we needed. Food, clothing, housing, medicine, and especially the peace of God that transcends all human understanding. Therefore, let us give thanks to God today. The Greek word for thanksgiving has grace at the heart of it. Eucharis. See, at the heart of it is the word charis. Means grace. We thank God for all his gracious provisions to us. We deserved nothing but judgment for our sin but God has granted us mercy he gave us grace 
not only God shows us grace, but he shows grace even to his enemies, we are told. His sunshine and rain come to the wicked and the righteous. Luke tells us in Luke chapter 6, he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. But the wicked never thank God. But we do thank God. Because we are not wicked. Not only during this season of thanksgiving. But let us be thankful to God every day of our lives. And we thank God for our lives. In my opinion, existence is better than non-existence. Except for the sinner. For the sinner it would be better that he is never born. So for the sinner existence is the most terrible thing that can happen to him. But for us existence is wonderful. God gave us existence. We thank God. We thank God for our great grandparents. And grandparents. And parents. And children. And grandchildren. And great grandchildren. We thank God for our relatives, our wives and husbands, our friends, for our country. We thank God for our jobs. It came to us from the very hand of God. And we thank God for the church. You know, it is a gift of God that you could come to this church, not any other church. This church, he placed you. And the people in the church. Your friends, your brothers, your sisters who stand with you. Who lay down their lives for you. And above all, we thank God for the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is described by Saint Paul, Saint Paul in 2 Corinthians 9 as the indescribable gift. Every other gift we can describe, but he cannot be described by us. He is beyond description. Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. We thank God triune, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Soli Deo Gloria. So let's first look at the law of cleansing lepers. Because it is important in this story, Jesus told the lepers to go and show themselves to the priests who were responsible to certify them as clean. They were the health inspectors of the time. They didn't cure anybody, but they would certify the cured ones. And they would readmit them uh, to society. So in Luke 17, we read about ten lepers who were cleansed by Jesus. Nine of them were Jews, and one was a Samaritan. Belonging to a mixed race of Jews and Gentiles who lived in the north. And the Jews despised the Samaritans. They had no dealings with each other. In fact, when Jesus sent out his disciples, he told them specifically, don't go to the Gentiles or to the Samaritans. Salvation is of the Jews. Now these ten lepers were together, we were told. There was no discrimination apparently. Yes, as I said before, misery seeks company. So they belonged to the first assembly of lepers in Israel. Ten of them together. All sorts of skin diseases in the scriptures 
were called leprosy in those days. And according to Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45 and 46, and Numbers chapter 5, leprosy was a symbol of divine curse, and they were excommunicated from Israel. Men and women were put outside, outside the camp. They had to wear torn clothes, and hair should be unkempt. They covered the lower part of their face. They constantly warned others by crying out loudly, unclean, unclean. They lived alone and they stood far from clean people. And you remember the story that God in his anger afflicted Miriam, the sister of Moses, with leprosy. And recently we read how God punished Uzziah, the arrogant man, with leprosy. And he lived alone in a house and died in his leprosy. The priests, of course, did not heal any lepers. But they certified whether they were clean or not. And offered proper prescribed sacrifices, making atonement for them. The cleansing ceremony had two stages. The priest goes outside the camp to inspect the leper. And if he is healed of leprosy, the priest takes two clean birds, some cedar wood, scarlet threads, and hyssop. He kills one bird over fresh water in a clay pot. And he dips the live bird along with the cedar wood and other things into the blood in the clay pot. And then he sprinkles the leper seven times with the blood of the killed bird. And then he releases the live bird into the fields and pronounces the leper clean. And this, of course, from the New Testament point of view, is speaking about Christ's death for our sins and our freedom in Jesus Christ. The leper then washes his clothes and shaves all his hair and bathes himself. And again he is pronounced clean. Then he is admitted inside the camp, but he must stay outside his tent for seven days. On the seventh day, he shaves all his hair, washes his clothing, and bathes himself, and he will be clean. On the eighth day, he brings two male lambs and a ewe lamb for guilt offering, sin offering, and a burnt offering, along with prescribed amount of flour and oil. The lamb for guilt offering is killed on the eighth day, in front of the tent of meeting. And the priest applies blood upon the right earlobe, the right thumb, and the right big toe of his foot. And then he applies oil also on the head of the leper who is cleansed. By the application of the blood and oil, the leper is consecrated for the service of God with his mind and with his action and with his 
way of walking with God. All this point to the death of Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit for our salvation. Atonement is made for the sins of the offender. He is reconciled to God. Now he is clean. He is not only come, comes inside the camp, now he can come inside his tent and live with his family. And he can come to the tabernacle with the community for worship. So the excommunicated person is now brought back into communion and fellowship with God. He is pronounced clean and he is justified. So the formerly excommunicated person now is in full communion with his family, with his community, and with his God. Secondly, the miracle of the cleansing of these lepers by Christ. And you must understand that Jesus Christ is on his way to Jerusalem. He said that in Luke chapter 9. He set his face toward Jerusalem. There he must die and he must shed his blood for the cleansing of all people afflicted with the leprosy of sin. So Jesus for the last time was going to Jerusalem from Galilee to make atonement by his death for the elect sinners of the whole world. His disciples and other pilgrims were with him. He did not go into Samaritan village because Samaritans had no dealings with the Jews. Ten lepers met him. And we are told they stood at a distance because they understand the law. In accordance with the law, they stood far. They cried out. They didn't mumble. They cried out with a loud voice. Jesus, Epistata, Master, help pity on us. They cried out together. They cried out loudly. They cried out earnestly and urgently. Why did they do this? We must assume that these lepers had some understanding of Jesus and his miraculous works. We read in Luke 5 and Mark chapter 1 that Jesus previously had healed a leper. Though Jesus told this leper not to tell anyone, he nevertheless went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news, we are told. So Luke says, yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. I said these ten lepers... We must assume we're aware of this. They knew Jesus is different. They knew he has authority over all diseases. The word epistata means one who has authority. And only Luke uses this word epistata. He has authority over all diseases. He even heals the dreaded leprosy that put people outside the camp, outside of God, outside of family. And this Jesus is near them. So they cried out to Jesus, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. 
they cried out for mercy, not for justice. They cried out for healing. They are sick of living a lonely life, a wretched life, an excommunicated life, a life of uncleanness, a life away from family and friends, a life of loneliness. And they understood there is only one who is able to change their situation. There is only one who is able to save them from this terrible condition. And the wonderful thing is we don't have to go to him. He is coming to us. He is coming our way. He is here. So like the blind, blind Bartimaeus later, they are crying out to Jesus to save them. This was their opportunity. They came as close as they could. They raised their voices and cried out. The truth is, friends, Jesus has come. And Jesus is coming your way this morning. Don't think this is the story of somebody else. This is your story. He's coming your way. And don't mumble. Be active. Be earnest. Cry out to him. Ask him to show you mercy. And he does show mercy. Have you yet cried out to him? You have heard of his person. And you have heard of his miracles. He is God man. He is sovereign savior. His name is Jesus. For he shall save his people from all their sins. Cry out to him. Pray to him today. And he will cleanse you, save you, heal you. And if you go out of this place, not having healed, not having saved, it is due to your sheer unbelief. It is your sheer despising of the person of Jesus Christ. It is he who cries out to us, come unto me. All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will... Give you rest. Cry out to him standing at a distance. Like the tax collector did. He also stood at a distance. That is the publican. But let me tell you the promise of salvation is not only for the Jews. And their children but also for all who are afar off. The promise of salvation is for Jews and Gentiles, for the Jewish lepers, and the Samaritan lepers, and the Gentile lepers, and every other leper in all the world. For the Pharisees and for the publicans. For the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. The Bible says Christ died for our sins. And the Bible says, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Paul says in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, have been brought near through the blood of Christ. The blood of bulls and birds and goats do not cleanse the leper. Only the blood of Christ shed on the cross. So again Paul tells us. He came and preached peace to you who were far away. And to those who were near. 
They cried out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. See, he's not hard of hearing. He heard their cry. He heard their cry. And he will hear your cry. Rising from the depths of your agony and misery, cry out to him. Jesus turned and saw them. He did not touch them. Jesus did not say you are healed. Jesus simply said go and show yourselves to the priests, the health inspectors. But implied in these words was their complete healing. Because it is a mockery to send ten lepers to the priests who are not cleansed. Let's turn with me to the book of Psalms. 107 Psalm. Verse 20, 21 and 22. He sent forth his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. They were sick. They cried unto the Lord. He sent word and healed them and let them praise the Lord. Let them give them thanks. It's our duty to thank God. We must thank God. As the lepers went, they were healed. As the lepers went, they were healed. Faith is the victory. Faith obeys. They believed, they went, they were healed. Remember the story in Second Kings chapter 5. A Syrian, a Gentile, a leper, a commander by name Naaman. He came to prophet Elisha for healing. He simply said, go, wash yourself seven times in the river Jordan and you'll be healed. He almost lost his salvation because of his sheer arrogance. But God granted him mercy. He repented. He went into the river. He dipped himself seven times and he came out brand new. And he goes to the prophet to say thank you. Remember the man born blind in John chapter 9. Jesus told him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. He went and he washed. He came seeing. That's faith. In the gospel. Jesus told a tired out Peter, put out his net into the deep water for a catch of fish. Peter said, at your word, we will do it. And he put down the net and there he caught a great many fish. Faith in God's word brings you deliverance and brings you salvation. And Jesus told his disciples in John 21 and verse 6, they also worked all night, didn't catch anything. Jesus said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will catch fish. They did! And they caught fish, many. We seem to be casting our net on the wrong side all the time until we come to Christ. Hallelujah. Believe and act upon what God has said and you'll be saved. Believe his promises. You shall be reconciled. You shall be made clean. You shall be justified. 
And let me tell you, sin is a greater disease than leprosy. In Old Testament, it was a symbol for human sin. But the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greeks. The Philippian jailer cried out and said, What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And I say, Everyone who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved and his household. And if you are not saved, it is because you did not trust in him savingly. There were ten lepers, they all were healed. They looked at their bodies. I'm sure they took off their clothes, they looked at it, inspected it, it is, it's brand new. The Samaritan was also healed, he was filled with joy. He must have told the nine Jews that all of them must now return to Jesus, the source of their happy healing, and thank him for this miracle. But the nine refused to go to Jesus to thank him. Therefore, the Samaritan went back alone to Jesus. We are told in the story, Jesus expected all to return to him and thank him for their healing. And he was grieved when the nine Jews did not come and thank him. The Old Testament taught them to thank. And we read Psalm 107 and there are other Psalms that taught about thanksgiving as a central obligation of every believer. Even the Syrian leper Naaman went back to the prophet to say thank you for his healing. Then the question is, why did these nine Jews not return to give thanks to Jesus? It's a good question because it is applicable to so-called Christians in the church. And I believe they did not return to thank Jesus because in their view, in their view, their healing was based on their own merit. They did not therefore feel that they owed Jesus anything. I said the heart of thanksgiving is charis, grace, unmerited favor. After Luke chapter 18 verse 11 you see a proud Pharisee in the temple and he is thanking God. The word Eucharisteo is used. Thank thee. That is God. But listen. What does he say? I thank thee that I am not like other men. That is Lord I thank you that I am righteous. Based on my own righteousness. This is not thanksgiving to God. This is navel-gazing. This is thanking oneself. This is denial of grace. That is why the nine refused to come and thank Jesus. I remember recently, the other day, we wanted to publish books. And, and we didn't know who is going to publish it. And we prayed Instead of one publisher, two of them are asking us to publish. And then I, the Lord said, didn't you pray? And I answered your prayer. And how come you don't give me thanks? So I repented of it and gave thanks. And this is our problem. We take everything for granted. When it came from the very hand of God, by grace to you. 
And remember, Jesus asked three questions to the Samaritan who came. Were not all ten cleansed? The answer is what? Yes! Where are the other nine? God expects us to come to him and say thank you and praise him and worship him. And God is angry when we refuse to do it and congratulate ourselves. The third question, was no one found to return and give glory to God? Which may imply that he is God. Except this foreigner. May I ask you, are we like the nine? If so, may God help us to appreciate grace and give thanks to God in Christ for everything. And maybe do so now, not tomorrow. When we refuse to thank God, we turn the tap of divine blessings off. God refuses to continue to bless the unthankful and self-sufficient one. Truth is, there is no one who is self-sufficient. There is no one who is independent. We are told in Him we live and move and have our being every day. He sustains us. Everyone, He sustains. We live because of Him. In Him we consist. They all were lepers. They all prayed to Jesus. They all went. They all were healed. But only one, a foreigner, thanked Jesus. I say, from this we learn, Thanksgiving is a rare thing. Number three, the sheer pleasure of Thanksgiving. By the cleansed lepers. See the Samaritan acted differently. He looked we are told. He saw he was healed. That's what happens when God saves you. You are different. You can see that you are different. Other people will see that you are different. You are not the same. You are a new creation. The old is gone. New has come. He was healed. Because Jesus healed him. He was healed. He's a divine passive that God healed him. And he was filled with joy. Irrepressible joy. So he returned. It was natural for him to return. Everything else can wait. I must say thank you to the one who healed me. Besides, Jesus is greater than the temple. He is greater than all the priests. He is the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He is greater than mere man to heal lepers. He is the healer. He is the savior. He is man, yet he is God. So this one understands something of his superior person and miraculous powers. He is given an understanding into the very person of Jesus so he returns. And notice he's praising God in a loud voice. What is he doing? He is giving unashamedly public testimony to everybody. I was a leper, but Jesus healed me. Therefore, if you are lepers, Jesus is able to heal you. 
if Jesus healed you truly, you will shout out and give testimony to this great Jesus that others may come and be healed by him. He must have said, praise be to God. I was a leper for so many years. I am a Samaritan, yet this Jewish Jesus cleansed me. I prayed to him to have mercy on me. He healed me. This Jesus can heal lepers. He is the healer. He is the savior. He has authority over people and diseases. He must be God himself. And he cursed himself at the feet. This is worship. With face down to his feet. Now Cornelius did that before Peter. He said, don't do it. St. John worshipped an angel. And the angel said, don't do it. But Jesus accepts worship because he is God. And he's thanking Jesus. He expected all to thank him, but only one. And that is Samaritan thanked him. And God was pleased with the Samaritan. And he told him, rise and go. Your faith has saved you. The nine only received physical healing. You understand that? There are many in the churches today like the nine. They are only seeking personal health, peace, power. Wealth. And that was what fertility religion is all about. Fertility religions promise material and temporal wealth. And the vast majority of Christians, they call themselves Christian. In fact, they are worshipping fertility religions. Trying to move God, put pressure on God to give us temporal blessings. We have no interest in him or in his person. Many Christians do not seek fellowship with God. They are not interested in the blessor. They want blessings. My wife bothers me all the time. She watches these charismatic people and they come, she comes and tells me, you see, you know what they are trying to do? I said, I know, don't tell me about it. I know it. <laughs> I am well versed in it. They use any and every verse asking you to go and call and give you money. They are charlatans. They are priests of fertility religions going about in the name of Christianity. Let's turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 73. Look at verse 25. This man was afflicted by temporal blessings and God helped him out. He was into blessings and not bless all, and he is given a revelation to God. And now all of a sudden he says, verse 25 and 26, Psalm 73, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. It's not a dollar, it's not a house, it's not a car, it's not a thing. It's God that we need. And Psalm 27 and verse 4 tells us, One thing I ask of the Lord, 
That is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Now, what's the purpose of it all? To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. We are fascinated with God and His glory. Moses prayed, show me thy glory. That's sufficient. That's true Christianity. That's true spirituality. The blessing God provides is eternal life. It is everlasting relationship with God. Our hearts are restless until they find rest in God. It is life in the presence of God. It is God dwelling with man and man dwelling with God. Rise and go. Your faith has saved you means your faith in me has saved you. You are not only healed physically, you are healed spiritually. Rise and go. You are now in a saved condition. For you believe in me as your master, as your healer, as your savior, as your God. In that you come and thank to me and cast yourself down at my feet in worship of me. So as the true high priest, he certifies him as saved. Turn with me to Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. Here Jesus gives the key uh, to his incarnational life, the purpose of it. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came that way to seek and save this one Samaritan leper. As he came seeking and saving the Samaritan woman. And the sinful tax collector Zacchaeus. I tell you he came seeking. Not the ten but the one. From here he would go to the cross. To shed his blood. That would cleanse all leper sinners of his eternal choosing. And from the cross. As he was shedding his blood. He would cleanse and heal a leper thief. To him he said today, you will be provided with a Mercedes. What is it? Come on. Today you will be with me. This is eternal life in paradise. This Jesus is with us today to save you. Cry aloud to him. Be convinced of the wretchedness of our condition and its severity. And it's destruction, it's misery, it's pain, it's agony. And the Holy Spirit must do that work. And one of his work is to convict the world of sin. Repent of your sins, let him apply his cleansing blood upon your earlobe and thumb and toe. Let him cleanse your whole person by his blood. And let him pour out his spirit upon you. Let him pronounce you clean. Justify. Let him say to you, rise and go. Your faith has saved you now and forever. And live for this Jesus in thanksgiving all of your life. Think his thoughts because he put the oil on your hand. Think his thoughts. Hear his words, his blood and oil applied to the earlobe. Do his will with your hands because he applied his blood and spirit upon your hand. And walk in his ways because he put his blood and oil upon your feet. No more are we crying from afar. 
in Jesus Christ we have been brought near. Yea, we are seated with Christ. Nearer we cannot be. Fall down at his feet. Then you shall sit with him forever. Heavenly Father, you do not want to just go by hearing your word. Your word came to us in mercy and in grace. As the word came to the lepers, go and show yourselves to the priests. As the word came to Naaman, go and wash seven times in Jordan. As the word came to the blind man, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Lord, we have a responsibility when we hear the word. Lord, help us to believe it. Faith comes by hearing. Grant conviction of sin and grant saving faith to your people. Cleanse them, O God. Perform your miracle. I'll heal them, O Lord. Forgive their sins. Justify them. Certify them as clean. Hallelujah. That we may commune with you and with your people now and forevermore. And may we go out with joy. To live a life of thanksgiving now and forevermore. Amen. You have been listening to a special Thanksgiving message entitled, Thanks Be to God. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.